Hello everyone and happy Easter from my kitchen table. Glad that you could watch today as we can't spend time together as a church on Easter, but we can all join together in our home. So I want you to put on your thinking cap and I want to ask you a question this morning. And here's the question. Where is the safest place? Where is it that you can be safest? Now then, if I'm asking the question, where is the safest place? We might add the phrase for your money because some people are trying to hide their money or they're worried about their finances. And so some people, the safest place for their money is their, well, their mattress. For others, it's the cookie jar. For years, I used to keep $20 under my cup holder in my truck kind of as emergency money until Mary found it one day. And well, let me put it this way, I don't hide my money there anymore because she'll find it. So where is the safest place for your money? Now then, many of you would put your money into a bank and some of you have been putting money into your retirement account and you've watched it go up and down like a yo-yo. And so you're a little bit afraid. Where's the safest? Well, it might be Fort Knox. At Fort Knox, they have $150 billion of gold. They have 5,000 tons of precious metals and a bunch of historic documents. It's like the safest place for money. And in fact, if you tried to break in Apache Helicopters would come after you and men with guns. I mean, it's a safe place. In fact, 10 different people have a part of the combination. No one's breaking into Fort Knox to steal your money. But let me ask you something. Are you afraid financially? Are you afraid financially? Because if you are afraid financially, the risen Savior has a message for you today. This is Easter. Now then, some people, if I ask the question, where is the safest? You might be thinking safest from the virus, COVID-19. And in fact, if I did, I did a little research and I found out that the safest place, uh, a safest state to be in is the state of Wyoming. So you could buy a little patch of ground there and isolate yourself in Wyoming, be far away from people. And in fact, you could probably seclude yourself there, but you probably couldn't get Netflix and you'd die of boredom anyway. So where is the safest place to be? Now then, if you're afraid of your health and afraid of getting the virus, I want you to know something. The risen Savior has a message for you today. I've been noticing that people are just flat out afraid of dying. And in fact, I think the latest stat I read was that there are about 5,000 deaths or 15,000 deaths of COVID virus and half a million people have tested positive for the virus. And so people are thinking about death as well. As a pastor, I officiate funerals. And a few years ago, I did a funeral at a cemetery and I got in my car to leave. And as I was leaving, I was going down this real narrow pathway, uh, a lane, I guess you would call it, in the cemetery. And then coming at me was a hearse. So the funeral home hearse was coming out. We got to the same little bitty intersection and we both stopped. I want to turn left. He wants to turn right. We want to turn the same direction. And he gives me the motion like, go ahead and you can uh, go first. So as I'm turning left, I glance at the driver and he looks at me weird. I mean, he looks at me like I'm a future client. Yikes. So we think about death sometimes, right? And we're afraid of dying. I want to read to you what the Bible says about death in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It says, Just as people are destined to die once, after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting 
for him. If you are afraid of death, the risen Savior has a message for you today. And it's a message you do not want to miss today. This is Easter Sunday and we celebrate the resurrection. And the risen Savior, he is alive today, has something to tell all of us. Now, in reality, there is no safe place. There is no safe place where our aging bodies will not one day die. There is no safe place where we can avoid all diseases. There is no safe place where we can avoid all crime or terrorism or bad things happening to us. There is, in reality, no safe place to be where we can escape the difficulties of life. There is no safe place. And in fact, as we move along here today, you're going to see that the safest place that you can be is actually at the foot of the cross itself. So we ask this question, but we need to be aware that there is a place, there is a person who is a protector of everything eternal. He's the protector of our eternal lives. He's the protector of the eternal life that we have. And there is this protector, right? Now then, I know we're not in church physically, but this is where you say in the middle of your living room or wherever you are, you say amen, right? Just say it out loud. Some of you... Hey, on Sunday morning, you'd like to maybe say, yeah, right on, Steve, or right on, amen, but you're a little embarrassed to do it in a crowd. Well, you can just do it in your house right now. You can just go, yeah, amen. There is a place. It's not here on this earth, but there is a great protector of who we are. Now then, the risen Savior has a message for us today. I'm convinced of it. You know, in the first century, Life was hard for people. In fact, if you lived in the Roman Empire, it was very brutal. In fact, the Romans conquered countries in Europe and Asia, and then they put millions of people into slavery. Hundreds of thousands of people died in battles. So when Jesus walked the earth and he was crucified and then resurrected back to life, his followers carried that message. One of those followers was Peter, and Peter got to hear everything Jesus said, everything Jesus did. He saw all the miracles. He saw everything uh, up close and personal in such a profound way. You know, at times, uh, uh, Peter was the beneficiary of seeing Jesus heal people, and at times he saw Jesus uh, teach, and at times he saw Jesus speak right to him, just like I'm speaking to you today. So during Peter's time, life was hard for people, and first century Christians were often persecuted, and they had to, well, leave their jobs, and they had to find safety, and they had to flee certain places because of persecution. And they needed to be encouraged by a message from the risen Savior. And so Peter, who knew more than anyone else about Jesus Christ, wrote these words in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. If you have a Bible turned there, you can pick up the link on our, uh, on our uh, church app or on the YouVersion app or just your Bible. Turn with me. Let's read it together. 1 Peter chapter, three, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Peter writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds 
of trials. So Peter praises God because he's given us this new birth into a living hope. Now, hope there does not mean wish. It's not like wishful thinking. Hope is a confident expectation. In fact, it's nearly the word for faith. So Peter says we can experience a new birth. And maybe he's thinking back to Jesus talking with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and Jesus tells him you must be born again as well. In fact, this term born again means that you can have a fresh start. You can have a new beginning in your life. And some of you who are listening to me, you need a new beginning. You need a fresh start. And in fact, you just need to, to be recharged in your life. Some of you, you need to cross that line of faith. I'm from the Eugene area, uh, grew up here. Uh, my folks still live in Junction City, uh, married to my wife, Megan. We're regular attenders at Grace. Uh, we have three children, uh, Rose, Tanner, and Tommy fifth grade, sophomore and senior in high school. And uh, we've been going to Grace for about three years now. You know, I grew up in a, a religious home, uh, though we were sporadic. I grew up uh, believing, um, but not sure why, and maybe not sure why we did the things uh, that we did. Um, uh, really going through the motions and and uh, I remember going through Sunday school and receiving my first communion and and uh, grandma and grandpa were always uh, great role models and uh, bringing communion to people uh, in the hospital every Friday. Uh, so I, I grew up in that environment. Um, as I went through high school and then my early 20s, uh, I was really on and off in my relationship uh, with God and more questions than answers. And, and if I'm being really honest, I was more concerned with uh, outward appearances than my own heart and feeling and, and relationship. I really developed and, and had a, a real problem with alcohol. And that really came to a culmination when I was 38 years old. It governed every aspect of my life. It affected my job, my relationship with my wife and kids. And I could not come to terms with the, the fact that I had a real problem. And I had just resigned and given up. I thought, well, this is how it is for me. And I was wishing and living in a fantasy that someday this phase that I was going through would just be lifted. And I didn't think that I had a relationship with God. I didn't think that Jesus was any kind of answer because I thought I tried that. I, I had gone to church more and I had said all the right things, um, but I never really owned it or accepted it or decided to turn my life over to anything bigger or greater than me. But in April of 2017, something happened and it wasn't me. And I discovered for the first time this relief and this freedom that I never could have found just walking alone. It was Easter Sunday that I missed two family events because I chose to drink instead. And my poor wife had to make excuses as to why Joe couldn't join the family to go to first my family's function and then her side of the family. I missed them. I missed them on that Sunday 
And the following Tuesday was the the first day that I uh, that I was sober uh, until today. I didn't pick the day. I think God chose that for me, and He He simply helped me along. I found uh, through a lot of soul searching and personal inventory that most of my life I've been governed by by pride and fear, and when I turn it over and when I don't try to control every situation, it's, it's quite freeing. And I don't have to live in fear. It's out of my control. If you can accept just the possibility that he can help you, I just ask you to keep your mind open to that. You don't have to do it all at once. You don't have to have some pro profound shift or monumental upheaval of anything. All you have to do, do is be open to the idea that uh, help is there and, and you don't have to do anything other than uh, be open to it and, and have some trust and a little bit of faith. And for some people it happens, it can happen very quickly. And some people it takes a period of time. If it's one thing, you're not alone and there is hope. It happens all the time, and I talk with hundreds of people on a regular basis uh, who have been able to overcome those things. It's really exciting. It's a wonderful, uplifting thing. I wish I could share it with everybody. I hope that you've experienced the new birth. It's exciting. There's nothing more exciting than when we become, well, a follower of Christ, and Jesus Christ transforms our lives. Many of you listening to me, you have experienced that. I'm so thankful for this. I'm so thankful for you. But for some of you, you need to get started with your spiritual journey today. In fact, like no other time, as we think about our health, we think about our finances, we think about life and death, you've got questions. What happens when I die? Will I go to heaven? Will I go to hell? Can I know for sure? Those are big questions, and there's no better time than Easter Sunday to think about those things because the risen Savior has a message for you today. Now then, I can tell you very quickly how to become a Christian. And first off, I think you need to just admit that you need a Savior. Admit that you've made mistakes. The Bible calls that sin. Admit that we're sinners, that we have not lived a perfect life. Just come to that reality. And because you come to that reality, you can come to the second part, which is believing in Jesus Christ, that He is the Son of God, that He died on the cross, and that He rose again from the dead. You can receive Him into your life. In fact, you can just do it right now while you're looking at me. You can just think in your heart. You can just think, Lord, I believe in this. Lord, I need you because I know that I need a new beginning in my life. And you can do that right now just looking at me. And God will come in and, and give you a new life on your birth certificate. It gives the day of your birth. And maybe today, Easter Sunday 2020, this would be the birth certificate for you spiritually. Today would be the day that you found Jesus Christ. And you had that aha moment. The light came on and you received Him into your life as your Lord and Savior. And you can do that today. 
Now then, when we come to faith in Christ, there are some things that happen in our lives, and there are some things that we can be sure of. We could call them benefits or something like that. And I want to give you five of those today right now. So the first one is this, Easter guarantees eternal life. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter said, In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection gives us hope. It gives us new life. Jesus is the Son of God. Now then, sometimes people doubt whether He was actually raised from the dead, although I know for certain He was. 500 people saw Him alive. 500 people gave their testimony that they'd seen Jesus alive over a 40-day period. So Jesus is alive. Why did Jesus die on the cross and why did He resurrect Himself from the dead? It was to prove He is the Savior of the universe. His resurrection proves that He is the Son of God. So the resurrection is a key to our faith. And because Jesus was raised from the dead, it guarantees that you can have eternal life. You can bank on it. That's why we celebrate Easter, because Jesus rose from the dead. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible tells us, is the same power that forgives our sin. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that removes our guilt. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that will take you to heaven and give you eternal life as well. And you can have that living hope. It's not a hope of the past. It's not a dead hope. It's not a false hope. It's not a partial hope. It is a full living hope. The second thing that we can count on is this. Number two, can never perish. I know those three words. I want to highlight those for you. Can never perish. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, we read this, And into an inheritance. An inheritance is the uh, eternal life we have and all the blessings that God gives us. Forgiveness and grace and the removal of guilt. That's our inheritance. Into an inheritance that can never perish. This is a point of emphasis. Now then, we're not first century Greek-speaking people, but if we were, those three words would pop for us. Because each of those words start with the letter A in Greek, and they end with the same syllable. And so it would just stand out to us. Can never perish. Once you possess eternal life, can never perish. That's what Peter is emphasizing to us. And it would give great comfort to people who are going through adversity in the first century, who are being persecuted by others. And they want to know if all this is worth it, and will it last? And Peter assures them, yes, it will last. It can never perish as well. Your salvation, your ultimate salvation, your inheritance is protected and it can never perish. Now then, God will never renege on what He says. God will always th follow through. God is honest. God is, let me put it this way, God is a straight shooter. And He's telling us that our inheritance in heaven, this eternal inheritance can never perish. It will never go away. It will never spoil. It will never fade away. And Peter wants us to bank on it and to count on it. 
So we don't have anything to be afraid of. If you remember a few weeks ago, I told you that during all this turmoil and this pandemic, nothing eternal has changed. Jesus is still the resurrected Savior. He still has a message for us today. And Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, and your inheritance into eternal life and to God's kingdom will not change. It will never spoil. It will never fade away. Perhaps Peter had in mind the Roman games, the Greek games, where a runner would run and win a wreath that they would put on their head to signify first place. And those uh, wreaths would eventually fade away. It would be like a, 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 a flower that would eventually fade away. Not so with your eternal life. Not so with your spiritual inheritance that you can receive. When I was, uh, I grew up on a farm and every summer we would bale hay. And during the summer we would have about 1,000 to 1,500 bales of hay to pick up. It was a lot of work. And we would put the hay up in the barn to get ready to feed our cattle over the winter. One day I asked my dad, he had hired a machine to pick up all the bales for us. I said, why didn't we do this last year? He goes, because you're free and the person who runs the baling equipment is not. Well, anyway, so we would bale our own hay and stack it in the barn. And one winter in November, we went in to grab some hay and it had spoiled. It had gotten rotten on the inside. In fact, on the outside, it looked good, but you just broke it open and it had spoiled from moisture. You know, your eternal life, your eternal inheritance that you have in heaven, it will never spoil. It will never fade away, like Peter says. It is something that you can count on as well. Number three, it all depends on God's Word. You know, your eternal inheritance depends upon God's Word. Now, the word inheritance that Peter uses is just like the word we use today. And somebody dies and they have a will and they leave something behind. And they stipulate in the will who it goes to. Very much the same word that Peter uses. Now then, you could say, hey, Steve, I've seen people who were coerced into giving a false will or a will was contested and so wills can change. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That can happen here in our society, in our culture. Maybe it's happened to you and you, know, you begin to think, well, that person wasn't of a sound mind when they did this will and they left me out and you contest those things. Okay, but you need to realize something. God's Word tells us that the spiritual inheritance that we have, it is good. And He makes good on His promises. It's not like a will that was drawn up today or some type of legal document that somebody will not follow through on. God will always follow through on His Word in, in dealing with us. Here's what Jesus said in John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And everyone who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Martha says, yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. God knew all kinds of things would be happening right now. He knew it ahead of time. He knew that you might lose your job. He knew that your finances might go kaput. He knew that your kids would be home from school. 
He knew you didn't want to homeschool him right now. He, know, he, he knows you don't want to be sick. He knows all of those things. But his guarantee to you is in John eleven twenty five. He says, I promise you eternal life. And she says, yes, I believe in you. So we can count on that. It's as good as gold. Because God doesn't renege on his word. And we need to believe the things that he tells us. God is not incompetent. Jesus is not a liar. And this is exactly what he said. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And I believe, I don't mean to be arrogant, but I believe that God sent me right here to tell you that. God wanted me to tell you today that you have hope and that the resurrected Savior has a message for you today. And it's a message you can count on because God's word is always, always there for us. It never changes. Ephesians 1, chapter 13 says, When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. So the very moment that you cross the line of faith, you were sealed by God's Holy Spirit. This word seal means kind of like a notary stamp. And in fact, that's exactly what it was in the first century. It was uh, always used of a king who would take a ring, a signet ring, pour wax over an important document, and then put his seal on it. This is the king's seal. It guaranteed that the document was real and that the king would follow through. Likewise, the Holy Spirit, the minute you cross the line of faith, even today, if you cross the line of faith today, the Holy Spirit comes in you and seals you, and it guarantees your spiritual inheritance in the future. Nothing can separate you from this inheritance. Number four, I am compelled to trust God. Peter was talking about an inheritance that's in the future in heaven. And actually, it's very interesting in the grammar here because it uses a, a, a verb form that means an action in the past that has continuing, continuing results in the future. In other words, Jesus died on the cross for you, and there are continuous results to this day. And the very moment that you crossed the line of faith, you came to the cross, you had an Easter aha moment, and then the power of God works in your life from this point forward. And so you can trust God today. It compels me to trust God. Now then, for many of us, we are keenly aware that, that things are difficult right now. Things are hard. And so the risen Savior would say to you today, Trust me with your life right now. Trust me for your finances. Trust me with your health. Trust me with your fears. Trust me with your anxiety. Now then, here's the proof of it all. The risen Savior guarantees that he is with you. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always. If he is with us always, then I personally, I'm compelled to trust him. Because he is the one in heaven who is watching over everything. And he is our great protector as well. Number five, we have a powerful protector of our inheritance. 1 Peter 1.5 says this, Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You can stake your entire life on this verse. 
we are shielded by God's power. And where is this at? It's in heaven right now. Our eternal inheritance is being protected by Jesus. That ought to be another big amen for you. So you can think of it this way. Jesus said that he would uh, be in heaven awaiting for us, waiting to build a place for us. You can bank on that. And he is protecting our future investment. And the same Jesus who rose from the dead is the same Jesus who walks with us today and protects us today, and he protects our future as well. So we can be assured that he is a powerful protector of everything. Now then, I asked you the question at the beginning, where's a safe place? Where is it safe to be? And I want to tell you that the safest place you can be is at the foot of the cross. The safest place to be is with the resurrected Jesus. The safest place to be is walking with Him. You can struggle with your fears. You can struggle with your anxiety. You can struggle with your finances. And then you can let that struggle and that fear and that anxiety overwhelm you. Or, or you can walk with Jesus because He is the great protector. And He will be with you every step of the way. He guarantees your future, and He is the one who walks with you right now. How do I know that He will do that? I know that because He powerfully was raised from the dead. Anyone who has that kind of power has the kind of power to help me with my finances. Anyone with that kind of power can help me with my fear and my anxiety. Maybe right now you're struggling in your marriage. God can help you with that. In fact, the risen Savior would say to you, you know, I can help you with that. Just turn to me. In fact, some of you today are struggling with your addictions. You have an alcohol addiction. You have a drug addiction. I want to tell you the risen Savior has a message for you today. He says, I can help you with that. But the first thing you have to do is to recognize you need help. And then you have to believe in him. Trust him with your life. Believe he is the, the son of God, the savior of the universe. And he guarantees to you that he will protect you, that He will give you an inheritance in the future, and you can look forward to that. Even though we may struggle with things right now, we can be people who greatly rejoice in this. In 1 Peter 1.6, this is what's happening to them. Peter writes, In all this, that would be the persecution and suffering they face, in all this you greatly rejoice. In fact, the word greatly there is the Greek word mega. They mega rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So even though we suffer all kinds of trials right now, adversity, difficulty, stress, even though you faced those things, you can rejoice, not in them, but you can rejoice for what awaits for you. You can rejoice in the fact that you have a risen Savior who has a message for you today, who says to you, the safest place to be is with me. Trust me with your emotions. Trust me with your fears. Trust me with your finances. Trust me with your family. Because the risen Savior can take care of those things. But you first must turn to Him and believe in Him. Put your trust in Him today, even for the small things in life. Now then, leads me to the last question I want to ask. Where's the safest place for your soul? Yeah, 
your very soul. I don't know how many people I've talked to over the years that said, you know, when I die, that's just it. There's nothing else. But as times like this, people begin to wonder. In fact, maybe you're wondering about that. And Jesus would say to you today, ask me questions. Give me your soul. Because that's the safest place for your very life, at the foot of the cross. I love singing songs at Easter because it reminds us of the resurrection of Jesus and that we can trust Him for everything because He is the risen Savior. I'm going to pray right now. And in fact, you might want to bow your heads and just pray with me. And hundreds or probably over a thousand people, oh, well over a thousand people are probably watching this morning at Grace Community Fellowship. But we can pray together. So let's do that. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and that he is the resurrected Savior. So, Lord, we accept you into our lives. Maybe that's your prayer today, that you accept him into your life. You're tired of struggling with fear and anxiety. You can just tell them that, Lord, I'm tired of struggling with fear and anxiety and pressure and stress. And then you can just admit that you've sinned and gone your own way. And then you can just ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. Receive him by faith. By faith, Jesus, I receive you into my life. That's an amazing prayer, and God promises to, to come into your life. But for others of you, you made that decision many, many years ago, or even last week with me. But your prayer might be a little bit different today. Your prayer might be, Lord, I want to trust you for everything going on in the world and in my life. I just need to have faith. It's an amazing prayer just to be able to say, Lord, I need your help to trust you. And God always honors a prayer like that. Lord, we thank you for Easter. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for eternal life and that you forgive us our sins and remove guilt from us. And we just pray these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.